All right, Shabbos, say good morning. Let us begin. Let me give my thinking our sponsors for this morning. Sure, to thank our Tamatora sponsor for the month of Adar Bey's Leah's Soul for dedicating all the Shurman Trashos this month in honor of all of those who organized the beautiful, meaningful, and uplifting, groundbreaking ceremony. To thank our Week of Learning sponsor, Paul and Kathy Pollock, for dedicating all the Shurim this week in memory of Paul's grandmother, Dina Bas Rav Dov Zichron Levrach. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama will have an Aliyah and the family in the But with that, let us begin. We have a lot to do today, but a really tremendous staff, really tremendous staff ahead of us. Today's staff is Yud Dalit, but we are starting on Yud Gimel Ahmed Beis. We're actually going to pick up, I would say, right in the middle of Ahmed Beis, across from Tosos Delo. If you see that Tosos Delo, Delo Asi Eser Achos Isha, Go right across in there. Obeys Hillel. So remember again, just to reorient ourselves a little bit, because we're kind of picking up mid-sentence over here, the Mishnah recorded a fundamental machlokas b'shama in Beis Hillel. A Mishnah which actually reflects back to the previous Mishnah, where the Mishnah discussed the idea, we took it for granted that everyone holds that Saras Erva, the co-wife of an erva is automatically disqualified for yibum, and, and lo and behold, it turns out that this is a machlokis beshamai and beshilo. That beshamai ultimately holds that saras erva, the co-wife of an erva, is not disqualified from yibum. And Abosha, by the way, when we say you're not disqualified from yibum, what does that effectively mean? You have to do yibum, right? So in other words, just obligated in yibum, and failure to do yibum is in. Or when I say failure to do yibum, yibum or chalitza is in and of itself an infraction. That's the position of Beishamai. Beishil, of course, again, their opinion is reflected in the previous Mishnah. So we're going. So remember, Beishamai's entire approach is predicated on the drasha losia eishes hames hachutza liish zar. The way Beishil understands it, let's just work backwards. The Beishil understands that it's very simple. That ultimately, again, the wife of the deceased brother should not marry someone other than her brother-in-law. Chutza means someone outside of the family. The Shammai understands that Chutza is actually on the wife herself, not on the person who she's going to marry. And the Shammai understands that effectively there are two wives. There's an outer wife, a Chutza wife, and if there's an outer wife, there must also be what? Must also be what? An inner wife, a closer wife. Who's the closer wife, outer wife? So the inner closer wife, that refers to the erva wife, right? That refers to the wife, woman who is an erva to one of the surviving brothers. Hachutza refers to a wife who is unrelated to anyone. And Beis Shammai says, you see from here that Allah saw when she is unrelated to anyone, Allah says, again, she is obligated in Yibum slash Chalitza. Beis Shammai, miksiv lachutz chutzuk I'm picking up in the Gemara, Beis Hillel, Kevon Dechsev Chutza. So ultimately, again, remember the way Beis Hillel understands the word Chutza is he understands it to the outside, not referring to the wife, but rather referring to the man who the wife may marry, or in this case, may not marry. She may not marry Lachutz, to someone on the outside of the family. So the Gemara says over here, I basil it says chutza, but when it says chutza, it's kiman dechsev lachutz zami. Also, the fact that it says chutza, it effectively is the same thing as had it said lachutz. Therefore, the Torah is telling me when a woman is subject to yibum, she may not marry someone on the outside. Now, Bosa, that's actually very interesting. 
Now I understand, but it says chutz and not lachutz. So this is very interesting. Basila holds that once it says chutza, it's as if it says lachutz. What does that mean? This sanya, but this is very interesting. This sanya, Rabbi Nechemia, Rabbi Nechemia says, Kol teva shetzricha lame b'tchilasa hita lahakasav hei b'sofa. Sometimes when, it, when a word required a lamid at the beginning, what the Torah just did is instead of putting a lamid at the beginning, it put a hey at the end. Then I will say, you're going to see effectively the meaning of the word is the same thing. For example, Tarn of the Be'er Bishmal, Kigon, Elim, Elima. So let's say, for example, the Torah once tells the Jewish people to Elim. It could have said, Le'elim. Instead, what does it say? Elima. It's the same thing. Biblical is the same. To a limb. Machanaim, machanaima. Right? We're going to mach. The curse said, Limachanaim, machanaima. Mitzrayim, mitzrayima. Divlasaima, Yerushalayma, midbara. So therefore, it's actually very interesting. So Beishamai says, excuse me, Beishilah holds the When the Torah wants to tell you about a going somewhere to a place, it has one of two ways of writing it either a lamed at the beginning or a hey at the end. Effectively, they're the same thing. Effectively, they're the same thing. So therefore, according to Beisila, when the Torah says, la chutz, la, excuse me, chutza, right? Chutza, so that's effectively the same thing as writing what? La chutz. Now, I both say, had it written la chutz, everybody would agree that what does it mean? She may not marry a man outside of the family, i.e., if she is subject to Yibum, she may not marry someone who is not one of the surviving <coughs> brothers. So Basilel says the fact that it writes it chutza instead of lochutz doesn't make any difference. The meaning is, is I will say, I saw something very beautiful. I think I printed it. The um, Yeah, the Beis Yisrael, the Ger Rebbe, says something very beautiful. The Ger Rebbe quotes from the Kotzker. He says, I don't understand. If Lachutz and Chutzah are the same thing, then why not just say Lachutz? See, Rebbe said, the Homach Lokis over here is how to define the word Chutzah. Is Chutzah a reference to her not marrying on the outside? Or is chutzah actually a reference to who the wife is? And the ambiguity is only there because it said chutzah. Why not just say lachutz? Especially according to Beisila, where we just saw that Allah chutzah and lachutz are the same thing. And the Beis Yisrael of Gorda, the Gerabah, says something so beautiful. He says, listen to this. He says, Shekol teva shetziya, Elamikan, listen to this. Well, so what, what do you gain? What do you gain by chutz instead of lishtok? Sorry, what, what do you gain by chutzah instead of lochutz? So the Rebbe says, Mikan, she'in berega ze efshar lishtok, afilu benko u benko titztarich achar kach lahagiris hadavar, hareza revach b'fneatzmo. Well, it says the Rebbe something so amazing. The ability not to have to talk. The ability not to have to say something is in and of itself a major accomplishment. See, I was saying, we often think about that the ability to articulate or express some idea as the highest use of dibur, the highest use of speech. Sometimes when we learn this through life experience, the highest form of speech is not to talk at all, is to know ultimately when to hold your tongue, to know that sometimes 
the most effective things could often be communicated through silence. And sometimes, again, that which I say actually doesn't need to be said. So says the base. So says the base. So the Ger Rebbe, Torah is teaching us an incredible lesson. It could have said lachutz. It could have said lachutz. Instead, what does it do? It saves the lamid. Doesn't say anything now. To teach us that sometimes the highest accomplishment of your dibor is to not use it at all. I, but one second, you'll say, but it's putting the hay on the back end anyway. So the Ger Rebbe says sometimes, even if you know you're going to have to talk, the ability. Not to have to talk right now is in and of itself an accomplishment as well. I might have to say what I have to say. Right? I might have to go ahead and articulate. But sometimes the ability to remain in a state of silence, even though the deeper might have to come now. So I'm not saying the lamid, but then I have to put on the hay later on. That in and of itself is an accomplishment. I will say such an incredible. You know, so this was a, this was a katzkevart. Right? There's a little bit a little bit of a sharper idea, but a very profound yisod. You know, we, especially in the time that we live, where again instant communication is so easy, and we know because it's so easy, often again it leads to so much unnecessary speech, unfortunately inappropriate speech, hurtful speech, all these kinds. And we lost we've lost a certain sensitivity to the power of speech. So the Katzka says, the Kaddish Baruch Hu reminds us, sometimes it's not what you say that makes all the difference, but sometimes it's the ability to say nothing at all that is the highest form of accomplishment, even though I know I may have to say it later on. The ability sometimes to hold my tongue, to control my dibor right in this moment is in and of itself an accomplishment. Incredible. So I say, where does Beis Shammai learn this, this position of Rav Yehuda in the name of Rav? Remember again, Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, if a woman subject to Yibum tries to have Kiddushin, right, with another man, the Kiddushin doesn't work. The Kiddushin simply is ineffective. So where does Beis Shammai learn this from? So the Gemara says, Mila ish zar nafka. They learn that from the phrase, Le ish zar Good. Why does he also learn from Ishzar? That's case that Beis learns that she can't have Kiddushin with a man who's not the Yavam. And he learns it from Ishzar. Then what does he need Chutza from? To which the Gemara This is very interesting. It will say what happens, let's say a simple case. Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi. Right? Ruvain does Kiddushin with Rachel. Again, no Erva case over here, just a simple, straight out case, right? Ruvain does Erisin with Rachel. Remember, Erisin is the initial stage of marriage betrothal, where man gives a woman an item of value, but they are not living together as husband and wife. Let's say now Ruvain dies, obviously without children, they haven't lived together, or Ruvain has no other children, right? So what happens now? Is there a Yibum obligation on an Arusa wife? And Basilel says, yes. Basilel says, yes. And actually, interesting enough, he learns that out from Chutza, that he, and he understands in this case, Chutza does refer to the woman, even if she's a little bit outside of her husband. What is it, outside of her husband? She's not living with him. Again, we'll talk about this sugya. She's not living with him. Even if all there was was Erisin, Halach Lamais is still an obligation of Yibo. The Idoch, Beishamel, will say Chutza. He learns that out from Hachutza instead of just saying Chutza. The Idoch, he doesn't darshan the hey ha versus chutzah. Good. So we'll say, so remember again, this is all trying to understand the position of Beishamai. Rava Amar Tamar de Beishamai. Rava says, no, you have it wrong. The reason of Beishamai is for a totally different idea, which is, Dein Isser 
Chal al Isser. say this is fascinating. The reason Beis Shammai allows, not, I want to say allowed, it's, it's not allowed, obligates, a tsaras erva in Yibum is because one prohibition cannot devolve on top of an already existing prohibition. Now take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says, Ein Isser, Eishes Ach, Chal Al Bito Shalzeh, Eitzel Aviha. Hilchach, Lo Ramya Kamei let's just illustrate this in a very simple way. If you use the chart, not the chart from yesterday, but the chart of day one. Day one chart. Right? So remember, again, we've got three brothers. This chart over here, we've got three brothers, Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi. Right? Ruvain is married to Rachel and Leah. Remember, Rachel is Shimon's daughter. Rachel is Shimon's daughter. So what happens? What happens? When Ruvain marries Rachel, let's assume he's already, right? He marries Rachel. So we'll say, there's already, Shimon already has an, an Isser towards Rachel. What's the Isser? What's the Isser? It's his daughter. So Rava suggests the following. Now we'll say, up until now, what we were saying was, so therefore, because Shimon can't do Yibam with Rachel, that same status, that inability to do even spreads to the Kawaii Talea. The Shemesh is like this. Here's the issue. Because Rachel is already ushered to Shimon, Ein Iser Chalal Iser. Once you have an already existing prohibition, that blocks any additional prohibitions from devolving upon that same prohibited entity. So because Rachel is already ushered to Shimon because she's his daughter, she never takes on the status of what? Eishas Ach. Eishas Ach, brother's wife. She never takes it on. Why, why, why does she never take it on? Why not? It's un- why? Like, what is it? What is what? What does it do? In Chalal So ultimately, also it's fascinating. So because Rachel never takes upon herself Aisha's Ach, she never precludes her co-wife from Yibum. So we'll say, in Beis logic is like this: the only way to go ahead and prohibit someone, right, a co-wife from engaging in Yibum, is how it would appear according to Beis is if you yourself are included in Yibum. So if you're included in Yibum and disqualified, then the marital bond will allow you to spread your disqualification to your co-wife. But Lamaisa, if you were never disqualified, in other words, according to Beishamai, Rochel is never in the parsha of Yibum. She never enters into the framework. It nothing to do with her, because she's already prohibited to Shimon, because she's Shimon's daughter. So because Ein Yisr Chalal Yisr, she's never in the parsha. Because she's never in the parasha, therefore what? Therefore what? She never disqualifies her co-wife, which is really an incredible yisod. Now Rashi goes on. Rashi goes on and says, V'chein ba'achos isha. The same applies with, again, in the case of if, if they married sisters. So let's go on a little bit. So now says the Gemara. So says the Gemara, Teinach heichad dinasar meis v'yachrakach nasachai. So we'll say, the Gemara now transitions to talking about a case of sisters, of sisters. Where let's say again, Reuben and Shimon were married to sisters, in which case again, we have two prohibitions. One of Achos Ishto, wife's sister, and the second one of Achos Ishto, of, 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 of sorry, of Eishas Ach. So says the Gemara, listen to this. So, this makes sense. Where let's say Reuben, the deceased brother, first got married, and then afterwards, again, Shimon, the surviving brother, marries his wife. Then, Lo'asi Isser Eishas Achos Isha, 
V'chayil ha'isr ishesach. Then we'll say, in that case, again, we would say that ultimately, again, the prohibition of achos isha would not devolve upon the already existing prohibition of ishesach. El anosa chay ve'achakach nosa meis. We'll say, in the case where, let's say, again, Shimon first married his wife, and then afterwards, again, Ruvi married his wife, achos isha kadim, Ultimately, again, the prohibition of Achosisha would be first, and the Tzara should be Asura. Kevan de la Asi Isra Eshesach, Mechayala Isra Achos Isha, Havili Tzaras Erva Shlobe Makomitzva. To which Ravo would say, according to Beishamai, since ultimately, again, the Isra Eshesach cannot devolve upon Achosisha, essentially the co wife becomes like a co wife, Shlobe Makomitzva. And I will say, if there's one thing we've established is, any time you say a kawaif is prohibited, a kawaif is only prohibited in what situation? in a yibum context. But outside of a yibum context, ultimately again, she is permitted. So therefore, also what comes out is according to Beis Shammai. Remember, so here's what we, let, let's review the facts. Beis Shammai holds that saras erva is chayeves in yibum. And essentially now we have two different possibilities as to why that is. Possibility one, which was of Shimon ben Pazi, his idea was, Beishamai Darshan's the Pasik, Losia Eshes Hames Hachutza Leishzar. Hachutza's understanding refers to not a man outside of the marriage, but who? One of the women of one of the wives of the deceased husband. There's an inner wife and an outer wife. The inner wife is the Erva wife. The outer wife is the totally unrelated wife, and yet the Torah tells us that the unrelated wife who is at Saras Erba still does Yibum. Second approach, Rava, Ein Isr Chalal Isr. Good. I'll say two Svaras as to Bishama's opinion. Let's go back there. So it says the Gemara Chaltz of Bishama Postlim. So we'll say, remember again, in these cases of a Tsaras Erva, so Bishama says if the Tsara does, if the Tsara, so I'll say, so just by the way, just to be clear, just to be clear, going back to our table again. First table in the, in the Masechta. The wife, who is the point of contention in all of this, is Leah. Right? Leah is the Machlokia's wife. Because remember, again, everyone is agreeing. Rachel is an erva. Rachel is an erva. So obviously, she's not subject to Yibum at all. The Machlokis is Leah. Beisila is going to say, Leah is exempt from Yibum because she is a Tzaras erva. Beishama is going to say, Leah is Chayeves in Yibum. Yibum slash Chalitza. Kasiot Saras Erva is Chayeves. Good. So therefore, Beishamai says, Mishnah said, according to Beishamai, if Leah does Yibum, she's Psula. Now, we'll discuss this. We'll discuss this. Allah, a woman who undergoes Chalitza effectively is treated like a Grusha, like a divorcee. Therefore, she cannot marry a Kohen. So, Pshita, that's obvious, says the Gemara. La Fuki Rabbi Yochelam, and the Amra Bone is Sakhilam and Saros, Shuchotos, Ulamis Yagmos. Kamashon Beisila Machshir. And Bosa, listen to this. This is to exclude the position of Yochanan Minuri. Bosa, listen to this. Rabbi Yochanan Minuri says that in general, whenever you have a machlokes, when in doubt, do chalitza. It's a good mantra, right? When in doubt, do chalitza. Rabbi Yochanan Minuri's logic is just do chalitza and you just satisfy all of the opinions. Rabbi Yochanan Minuri would say, Leah, listen, Leah, you're a subject to machlokes. Beishamai says, you're chayevin yibum. Beisila says, you're totally exempt. Just do chalitza. Kamash Malan, Beisila says, no, we don't want, it's not, it's not an answer, just do chalitza, Arabosai, because when a woman does chalitza, that changes her marital status. So Beishamai says, Leah is not subject at all to the Yibum, to the Yibum framework. So we're not going to have her do chalitza. 
Good. So let's listen to this. If now, remember, if Leah did Yibum, if Leah did Yibum, so ultimately again, Beis Hillel would say, she's Psula. Now remember again, according to Hillel, if Leah does Yibum, what is that? What is that? That's an Isra Erva. Because according to Beis Hillel, Leah has the status of Eishas Ach, a brother's wife. And she is not subject to Yibum at all. And if she does so, ultimately again, she is Psula. And if she has children, she has children, they're Mamzerim. So says the Gemara, let's go. Hasulamali, I did the Tanachaltsu Taninami Yisam. Truth, you don't really need this case. But once you mentioned Chalitza, also mentioned Yibum. We both say, get ready for this. Tanan Hasum. We both say, we learned. Megillah Nikres. How incredible is this? How incredible is this? Just a few days after Purim, Yigmar is quoting Megillah in the middle of Yuvamis. In the middle of Yuvamis. Megillah Nikreis. I will say this is an incredible sugya. Megillah Nikreis. Ba'achalasar, b'shneimasar, b'shloshasar, ba'avarasar, b'chadishasar, lo'pachos, v'lo'yosar. Both of Megillah can be read on the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th. No earlier than the 11th, no later than the 15th. The Yigmar says, Amrali Reish Lagashav Yochanan, Ekri Khan, lo'tisko didu, lo'saswa gudos agudos. To which of us listen to this? The Gemara asks, right? I don't understand why this is possible. Why are you permitted to read the Megillah on all of these different dates? Doesn't the Torah say, Lotus go to do? Lotus go to do, means what? Do not go ahead and make groups. That there should be one Torah. You can't make it look like Claudius has multiple Torahs. So how could it be that you're going to read the Megillah on all of these dates? Does this not create groups, right? Different cohorts within Yiddishkeit. The problem is not the groupings. In other words, the problem is that it looks like Kishte Toros. It looks like there's two different Toros. So, give one second. First of all, so he answered. Rabbi Yochanan answered. The Pasuk Lotis Kodudu is actually there to teach us a halacha. We'll say, what does Lotis Kodudu mean? You can't cut yourself as a display of mourning for the dead. That's what the Pasuk means. Imkain, leimakro, lotigodudu, mightiskodudu. If that's the case, just write tigodudu. Why do you write in an elongated form, tiskodudu? Shmamina lahachi hudaasa. Ultimately, again, to teach us, that is coming to teach us this halacha, losasu agudos agudos. Do not engage in factional Judaism. Do not become different independent groups and make it look like there are different Torahs. Maybe that's what the whole passage is coming to teach me. So we'll say the fact that it wrote the elongated form teaches me two things. Number one, there's a Pashib Shat. Pashib Shat, we'll say, is that when God forbid a person loses a loved one, they cannot go ahead and harm themselves as a display of mourning. I cannot cut myself as a display of mourning. That's halacha number one. Halacha number two, losasu agudos agudos. Do not go ahead and make groups, right? Do not engage in factional Judaism. Number one, because it fundamentally erodes achdos. Number two, because it looks like there's more than one Torah for Kalal Yisrael. Now watch this. Amali ad kan lo shonis. And I say, why are you asking the question from here? Didn't you learn, didn't you learn the Mishnah? Mokom shenagu lasos molochava arve b'sachem ad chatzos osin. Mokom shenagu shlo lasos in osin. There's a Mishnah. Molochan Pesach. What says this incredible? One Gimara. We got both Purim and Pesach. 
and Mamish were right in the middle of these two Yomim Tovim. Incredible. Mishnah says, where there's a Minog not to do Malacha on Erev Pesach, you shouldn't. But if you don't have that Minog, you can. Isn't this a problem of factional Judaism? Everybody's doing something different. Well, how are you comparing? I'm talking to you about a halacha. Right? Well, so when it comes to Mikra Megillah, Chazal instituted, if you live in an unwalled city, you must read on the 14th, you can't read on the 15th, and vice versa. And you're bringing up a minog of Malachan Erev Pesach, v'hasam lavi surah havya, but are you telling me that by, by Malachan Erev Pesach, there's no iser, v'atinan, be'shamay osrin, be'shilom atirin, but I say the Lashon over there is, be'shilom says, that it's motor to do Malachan Erev Pesach, and be'shamay says that it's asr. Amr al-Layr say, here's the issue. By Malachan Erev Pesach, there's no problem of agudos agudos. There's no problem of factionalism. Why? Listen to this. Haroa Omer Malachahu Delesle. So also listen to this. Because if somebody sees you not doing Malachan Erev Pesach, what does it look like? What does it look like? You've got no work, right? In other words, it does, I'm saying, the issue of losasu agudos agudos is only when it's clear that people are actively engaging in different practices. But if let's say again, one group is doing work, one group is not doing work, on any given day, there are people who aren't working. So if I'm not doing work at Pesach, all it looks like is that I don't have work. It doesn't look, look like factional Judaism. I v'habe shamay matirin hatsaros la'achim u'besila osrim. They both say, if we are indeed concerned about lotis agudos agudos, of factional Judaism, and making it look like we have two Torahs. What about our Mishnah over here? Beishamai says that Saras Erva ultimately again is Chayiv in Yibum. And Beishilo says they are Asr. Isn't that a problem? Top of Yudalid, I will say, watch this. Misavris Asu Beishamai Kedivrehem. Lo Asu Beishamai Kedivrehem. I will say, so watch this. So remember again, the Gemara responds, one second. You think that Beishamai actually followed their opinion? No, they never followed their opinion, right? In other words, they espoused the opinion, but they never actually followed it. They both say, isn't this absolutely incredible? So therefore, there's no problem of agudos, agudos. There's no problem of factionalism over here. There's no problem of two Torahs, because although Beishamai articulated this approach, they never actually accepted it, and they, they never practiced it. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan, Amr, Asu, Va'asu. Rabbi Yochanan says, incorrect. Incorrect, Rishlagish. The Beishamai absolutely followed their opinion. Rabbi Yochanan said, get ready for this. This is incredible. Ube plukta, the Rav Shmuel. The Rav, Amr, Lo, Asu, Beishamai, Kidevreyem. Ushmuel, Amr, Asu, Vi'asu. Rabbi Yochanan listen to this. Because there's a general machlokas. When Beishamai espoused their opinion. Did they follow their opinion? Or did they yield to Beisilo? And Rabbi said, this is indeed subject to fundamental machlokis. Rav says, Beishamai never really followed their stated opinion. And Shmuel says they did. Sigmar says, one second. Amos, at what point in history are we talking about? If it's before the Baskal, then Rabbi say, what Baskal? Take a look, Tap Rashi, Adalaf, Right, what Baskal? Be'erevin, Parakamon, Yotza, Remember again, we saw this Gemara, the Baskal that came out and said, 
both the words of Eisilol and the words of Eishamai are the words of the eternal God. But halachah of Eisilol, right? So both you're both great, right? You're both great. but So the Mar says, if we're talking about before the Baskol, my time in the Mandamar lo asu. Then what's the logic? What's the logic of Rav? If it's before the Baskol, then why would Beishamai not have followed their opinion? If it's after the Baskol, my time the man da'asu. Then ultimately, again, why would Beishamai follow their opinion? To which the Umar says, okay, let's analyze. By the way, take a little bit of a deep breath with this Gemara, right? And it's, you know, this is the, right? There's no charts, there's no charts, there's no, there's no like illicit unions or relationships over here. We're just going to have, it's, gonna, it's just nice. It's just nice. We're just going to learn some, we're just going to learn some Gemara for a little bit. So here we go. So the Gemara says, I feel like, I feel like everybody's tense waiting for the next crazy Yibum situation to drop. You're safe. You're in a safe space for the next block and a half. We're good. Says the Gemara, so we'll say you can frame the answer one of two ways. Listen to this. So we'll say it could be that the way to frame it ultimately again is before the baskol. So we'll say if it's before the baskol, then ultimately again, why would Beishamai not have followed on their opinion? Rose could have been a situation where Beishilal was the rove. And I will say, and remember again, how is halacha decided? Halacha is decided by the majority. So it could have been that it was before the Baskol, and therefore, but nevertheless, Beishamai did not follow their ruling because they were not the majority. To which the Gemara says, according to the opinion, they did not practice their own approach to say The other opinion will say, when do you follow the rove? You follow the robe when everyone is equal. Hacha beishamai mechadiditfei. But I will say, but beishamai was always sharper than beisilol. So before the baskol, even if beisilol was the robe, beishamai would still practice their own approach because again they had greater proficiency in halacha. Very interesting. The other possibility is, even after the Baskal, so the opinion is said that Beishamai did not practice their approach because the Baskal came out and said, and the opinion that said that they continue to practice their approach, who is that? That's Rabbi Yeshua who says, we don't pay attention to Baskals. Baskals are beautiful. They're wonderful, but Allah has decided not by voices that come out from the heavens, but rather, again, by the adjudication and process that unfolds in the base Medrash. Now, let's go back. See, here, here's what we know. It appears, it appears that at least at some point in time, Beishamai followed their own rulings. So, before Baskal, after Baskal, that's what it sounds like, at least according to some opinion, how were they able to do that? After all, Karina and Kailotis go to do Los Agudos Agudos. I will say, isn't there a problem of factional Judaism? See, if you, I will say, by the way, I think many of us have wondered this because right, we're always familiar with Machlok Yisham Beisilal and the way I always envisioned it in my mind, which I'm sure you also did, which is there were praise of history where Beishamai was doing X and Beisilal was doing Y. Right? And doesn't that sound so strange? In other words, 
we're used to having different opinions in halacha, but it's kind of all under a general framework. B'shama and b'silal, and I will say, by the way, here's a perfect example, right? This, this Yibum situation in our Mishnah. You've got B'shama doing one thing, B'shama doing something different, to which the Gemara says, isn't that a problem of lo tiskodidu, of lo sasuagudos agudos, factional Judaism? And doesn't it look like then that there are effectively two Torahs? To which the Gemara says, if you have two basins in one town, and one basin says, go like Beis Shammai, one basin says, go like Beis Hillel, that's factionalism. But if you have two different Batidin in two different cities, that's fine. And effectively, Beis Shammai is like two different cities. Amr Rava. But that's not true. But Beisham often lived in the same place, right? Their schools, their students lived in the same place. So is that not like having two din in one city, each delivering or each adjudicating based on a different system? Less lanba. We'll say, when is there a problem of Lotus code to do? If you have one Beisdin, and part of the Beisdin Paskin is like Beis Hillel, and part of the Beisdin Paskin is like Beis Shammai, ultimately, again, that's Lotus code to do. But if you have two separate Bateidin, and one Paskin is like Beis Hillel, and one Paskin is like Beis Shammai, ultimately, again, that's not a problem of factional Judaism. So we'll say, so it's very interesting. So apparently, again, see what the Gemara accepts is that Lotus code to do does not require unanimity. That's what's interesting. It doesn't require unanimity. But what, what the concern is that, so therefore there's, there's always room for differences of opinion. The Shiloh just is, when do the differences of opinion kind of create the appearance of just two different types of Judaism? So the Gemara seems to say, as long as it's clear, like there's two different structures, so to speak, there's a basin of Beishamai. There's a basin of Beisilel. But people understand that these two Bate Din are under the same umbrella of Torah. There's just a different interpretation that each is having, but it's one Torah. That's acceptable. That's acceptable. It seems to me what the Gemara is uncomfortable with is when you have one Beisdin. And in that Beisdin, they're unable to get together to espouse halacha. So in that one Beisdin, you've got one group saying this, one group saying that, that's factionalism. That's factionalism. But ultimately, again, when we can accept that there are different types of groups interpreting things in different ways, but all under the same umbrella of Torah, that's not a problem of lotus code. Very interesting. Tashma, was very interesting. So just some other examples of where people engaged in different practices in the same city. So for example, in the city of, right, in the place of Rabbi Eliezer, they would cut down wood in order to make coals to fashion a knife for bris milah on Shabbos. I must remember again, you're allowed to give bris milah on Shabbos, right? You're missing to give bris milah on Shabbos if it's bismano, right? Now remember the interesting Rabbi Eliezer says, not only can you give the bris, but what? Heksha mitzvah. Anything you need in order to facilitate the bris. I need a knife to give a bris. I don't have a knife. You could go ahead and cut down trees to make a fire, to go ahead and forge metal, to go ahead and make a knife for bris milah. 
That's right. Rabbi Yosef, the Gemara says, Rabbi now remember, the Rabbanon disagree with that. And the Rabbanon say that Allah says it's only the Mila itself that's Dolcha Shabbos, but Machshire Mitzvah are not Dolcha Shabbos. Similarly, In the place where Yosef, they would eat chicken and milk. Because they felt that the Isser is only basa bechalav, right? Only an animal which produces milk is there pama basa bechalav, meat and milk. Fowl does not produce milk. Therefore, there's no problem to eat chicken and milk together. Because we'll say, by the way, we, we, we paskin, we include chicken in the prohibition together with meat and milk. That's because we're confused that people are going to get, get confused between chicken and meat because they're often grouped together. But Lamaisa, Lamaisa, Rabbi Yosef Lili is, is, is really technically correct. first wide line. So what do you see from here? So you see over here that Rabbi Akiva disagrees Rabbi Eliezer because Rabbi Akiva felt that any malacha for bris milah that could be done before Shabbos, i.e. the making of the knife, you have no license to do on Shabbos itself. The only license on Shabbos is for bris milah. So Rabbi Eliezer, isn't this a problem of lotis go to do? Once again, you see different people doing different things. To which the Gemara says, "Behind my tiyufta, mekomos mekomos shiny." Gemara says, "One second, it's not a problem." What did you just say before? We'll say if you're in different cities doing different things, that's not a problem of factional Judaism. It appears the only problem of factional Judaism is when you're in the same city and it sounds like what, like on the same base din, unable to reach any level of consensus, and each group on the base din espousing their own ideas. But if you're in different cities, you know, we'll say, what's incredible is the Gemara accepts that Yiddishkeit allows, allows for a spectrum of opinions. It allows for a, stre- a spectrum of interpretations. Now, to be clear, again, it's not an unlimited spectrum, right? The spectrum must be embedded in a framework of normative halacha, of normative hashkafa, of normative interpretation that's based on a system but it allows for a spectrum. So the only issue we're concerned is for factionalism. So the Gemara says, different cities, not a problem. So why does the person bring this up all to begin with? I might have thought that because Shabbos is so chamer, maybe this has the appearance, or maybe this should be treated as all happening in one city. No, good. Tashma. listen to this. Rabbi when he went to the city of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, have a metaltal shraga. He would carry a lantern. Now, we'll say, there's a whole machlok, about aner and muktza. Aner and muktza. See, he would go ahead and carry a shraga when the Gemara talks about a candle. What they're really referring to is, not, not like a candle like you're thinking about it, but like a little oil lamp, right? So it's an earthenware thing that has a, that has a base keyboard, receptacle, and a little lip and the right there, which you place the wick, that's called the nair. So ultimately, again, when he went, when Rabbi Yavah went to the city of Rabbi Yoshua and Levi, he would carry the nair, and went to Rabbi Yochanan, and he wouldn't carry it. So the idea was that wherever Rabbi Yavah went, he was, he was deferential to the rub of the city, and their opinion on Muktza. What's the problem over here? At the end of the day, again, it was different cities. In different cities, they do different things. Rabbi Avahu 
Hechi Avid Hacha Hachi, the Hechi Avid Hacha Hachi. The Bible says over here the Shalas on Rabbi Avo himself. Rabbi Avo, what do you hold? How is it that on one city you're holding the candle, another city you're not holding the candle? What about your own personal practices? In other words, isn't that contradictory? Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Shabbat Levi, Sirle. Rabbi Avo, held the Rabbi Shabbat Levi, Bechim Mikla Lashed Rabbi Yochanan, Bechavim Metaltel Mishum Kvod Rabbi Yochanan. What's Rabbi Avo himself held that you're allowed to carry a nair on Shabbos? It was just when he went to the city on Rabbi Yochanan, he was deferential to Rabbi Yochanan. Iva Ika Shama. So we'll say, but isn't it confusing for Rabbi Avo's attendant, right? Rabbi Avo's attendant is going to see his master doing different things. Rabbi Avo told his attendant what was going on and explained it to him. Beautiful. So therefore, again, we're still kind of in the, remember, why, why is this all happening? This is all happening. The Gemara launched into a discussion about Lotus Godadu, not engaging in factional practices, because our Mishnah seems to sound like Beisham Beisal's two different practices. So we'll say this led to a discussion. Did Beishamai ever follow their own teachings or not? Right? We know that they argue, but the Maisa, did they follow their own teachings? To which, to which that in of itself is a machok. So watch, here we go. So Tashma, Ava Beishelo Osram Elo Matirim. Even though Beishamai still disagreed, he was going back to the case in the Mishnah of Tsaras Erba, and Beishamai said that Tsaras Erba is obligated in Yibum, and Beisilo said she is fundamentally exempt. Nevertheless, they did not abstain from marrying into each other's families. So we'll say, if you tell me that Beishamai never really followed their rulings, I understand why Beisham Beisila intermarried. But if Beishamai did follow their rulings, then how is intermarriage between these two groups possible? After all, Beishamai can marry into Beisila, because we'll say, remember again, according to Beishamai, according to Beishamai, what is Beisila doing? Beisila is allowing a woman, remember again, I will say, this is back to our... Back to our chart, Beis Hillel is allowing, is allowing Leah, the co-wife of the Erba. Beis Hillel is allowing her to marry who? Anyone she wants, right? Someone outside. So we'll say, according to Beis, according to Beis Shammai, worst case scenario is, that is a love. She's alive. She's committing a love, right? Because remember, Beis Shammai holds that Leah is obligated in Yibum. Beis Hillel is saying she's not obligated in anything. So she's not to marry whoever she wants. So she marries whoever she wants. It's a love. It's a love. So I understand why Beishamai would be comfortable marrying into the families of Beishel. It's only a love. But I will say, on the flip side, according to Beish Hillel, when if Leah does Yibum, Leah has what? Committed in Isra Erva, and those children will be Mamzerim. So how is Beish Hillel marrying into Beishamai? To which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, Ela Beish Hillel Beishamai amai lo nimnu, b'nei chavi krisos mamzerim ninu. Well, maybe you'll say that according to Beis Hillel, maybe not Mamzerim, maybe a Mamzer, maybe a Mamzer doesn't come from Mechi of Kares. Maybe a Mamzer only comes from more illicit unions. It's not true. Everybody agrees that a Mamzer comes from a relationship that's an Erva and punishable by Kares. Rather, I will say it must be from the fact that what? 
from the fact that Beis Hillel is marrying into the families of Beis Shammai. It must be that what? Beis Shammai never practiced what they preached. Right? In other words, they did not follow their own Piske Halacha. They espoused their Halachic opinion, but ultimately, again, they actually never practiced it. To which the Amar says, well, maybe not. The Olam Asu could be that very well, that Beis Shammai did practice what they preached. Demodi Luhu Uparshi. We'll say it's possible that when we say, like we saw, we saw some Rashi in the Mishnah, that when the Mishnah says that Beis Hillel married into the families of Beis Shammai, they married into which families? All families except for these kind of situations. That Beis Shammai would tell Beis Hillel, listen, you probably, do, you, you would not want to marry these families because according to you, these families are highly problematic, a potential issue of Mamzerus. So again, Beis Shammai would tell Beis Hillel, which families were problematic according to Beis Hillel. Beis Hillel would not marry those families, but they would marry every other family from Beis Shammai. Vakitam, this appears to be clear. Diktani Seifa, because we also look at the end of the Mishnah. What was the end of the Mishnah? Kalataros, Kalatmeo, Shayu, Hashayu, Elam, Tarve, Elam, Tamin, Lonimnu, Osi, Taros, Elo, Agabe, Elo. We also remember again, the Machloksim, Tuman, Tara, Beis Shammai, Silal. Yet despite the fact that they had Machlokas in Tuman, Tara, they would use each other's utensils. So now watch this, I will say. Now watch this. See, if you tell me that at the end of the day, that halacha lamaisa, Beis Shammai, we tell Beis because in this case also, Beis was more machmir with certain situations of Tumantara over Beis Shammai. If Beis Shammai would tell Beis which utensils were problematic, then ultimately again, Basila would just would, would, would borrow the other types of utensils, but would avoid borrowing the kinds of utensils that would be problematic according to his positions. But if ultimately again they did not tell them, so I understand why Beishamai would borrow from Basilel, because ultimately again Basila was more machmir. Beis Hillel is more machmir. So Beis Shammai would never have a problem borrowing utensils from Beis Hillel. Ela Beis Hillel. Maybe Beis Shammai lama lo nimnu. Taros to Beis Shammai la Beis Hillel tameos nimnu. But I will say, how could it be that Beis Hillel would just borrow from Beis Shammai? According to Beis Shammai, certain, or I should say, according to Shammai, Beis Shammai, certain things that they render tahar, Beis Hillel would render tame. Ela lav demodi lohu shmamina. Rather, I will say, it must be that what? It must be that Beis Shammai would alert Beis Hillel to certain halachic realities. Therefore, we'll say, it's actually quite beautiful. So it turns out the Gemara says, according to this approach, Beis Shammai did act on their halachic rulings. They didn't just espouse ideas, they actually followed these ideas. They practiced these ideas. I said, that's the case, how did the families intermarry? So in the cases of Yibom, Beis Shammai would tell Beis Hillel, these are the families that you don't want to marry into. Right? They're wonderful people, great people. But for you, these families represent certain halachic issues. So you don't want to marry these families. The same thing Mar says the proof to that is they borrowed utensils from each other. How could they borrow utensils from each other? How is that possible? Basila was more machmir than Beishamai in certain situations of Tumal, which means that according to Basila, certain utensils that Beishamai considered to be Tameh, excuse me, Tahar, were really Tameh. What's the answer? What's the answer? Beishamai would tell them, the Modilu, it's very simple. Very simple. Just tell them, by the way, 
You don't want to borrow these utensils, right? These utensils are not good for you, not a good fit for you. And that's it. So they told them what the problematic areas were, both by marriage as well as by utensils. And halacha Basila would avoid those things and ultimately marry the rest of the families, use the rest of the utensils. We'll say, what an incredible you sowed. You see, when it comes to other Jews, the Klaag Gadol is, there's always more that we agree upon than what we disagree upon. So it's true, the Gemara says. Let's, let's be clear. Beisham Yisrael did not see eye to eye with a number of things. So they identified, let's identify the areas that we don't see eye to eye on, right? So we've got Yibum, Saras Erva of Yibum, and Tumantara, or certain areas of Tumantara. Good. Now that we know, now that we know, and you understand again, we, 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 could, we could intermarry, so you know, I'm using that word, right? We could intermarry, right? We could borrow from each other. We know there are certain things that, certain things that I can't do, certain things that I won't do, and that's okay. See, I was like, sometimes the cloud Gadol and Achtos is knowing when you could, when you could cross, what is it, what's Lushen? When you could cross the aisle and when you can't. It's incredibly important to know that and incredibly important to articulate that. And that's, that's how actus has to happen. We can have actus with all kinds of Jews. As long as we're explicitly clear, there are certain things I'm going to do and there are certain things that I'm not going to do. And I'm going to articulate that from the outset so it's clear. What are the lines? What are not the lines? And once we know that... There's so much more we could collaborate on. There's so much more we could do together. There's so many ways in which we could coexist. There's so much achtos to be had. As long as we're all explicitly clear as to what lines cannot be crossed. Incredible. Says the Yimara Umay, only the hach mehach. So I'll say it's interesting. The way the Mishnah is kind of proving this point, fascinatingly enough, the way the Mishnah is proving the point is Halach said by bringing the Raya from Kalim. From utensils, right? As if to say that utensils is the stronger proof to the Hebum case, to which the Gemara says, I'll tell you why. like this. See the case of the the case of the Tsaras Erva is not such a big deal. The truth why not? Because Yibum has a call, right? People know about it. So Basilo would know which families to avoid. Kamash Malon, not Kamash Malon Rabo say that even in the Yibum cases. Beishamai would actively alert Beisilo to which families would be problematic for the positions of Beisilo. So Beisilo would not intermarry into those families. I will say it's so absolutely incredible. And I will say, you know, in today's day and age, it's fascinating. That's one of the things I think that we encounter is people have very little tolerance for others who don't agree with them. Right? It's almost as if we feel that when someone doesn't agree with me, it's an attack on my values. That often becomes because people who are confident enough in what they believe do not need others to agree with them. People who are insecure need everyone to agree with them. And if you don't agree with me, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're tolerant, you're this, that. Well, see, isn't it incredible? See, Beishamai, when you're secure, when you're secure, you can say, Beishilo, I know you don't agree with this. And that's okay. This is, this, is, this is what I hold. I'm confident enough in my own shitos. I'm confident enough in my own ashkafas. I accept the fact that you don't agree with me. And again, I just, I, and not only do I accept it, I, I could, I could, I could give covet. I could honor, I could honor your positions. Okay, I don't agree with you. But again, I could honor that. Well, say, isn't it absolutely beautiful? This is achtos. This is achtos. Achtos is, not that we all agree, 
You have your opinions, I have my opinions. You have your lines, I have my lines. I respect your lines, you respect my lines. And ultimately, again, I'm deferential to you, you're deferential to me without crossing the lines. And we recognize that there is so much more that we agree on than what we disagree on. This is the formula for Ahtas Mosei. This is the formula for Mashiach. This, 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 this is it. This is it. I will say, by the way, I think I'll teach you something else. We have to go on. You know, it's interesting. The Gemara says, when Mashiach comes, we're going to follow Beishamai. We're going to follow Beishamai. So I'll say, I'll tell you something very interesting here. If you notice, who is the one who's going out of his way to go ahead and tell the other, you know what, maybe don't marry these or don't use these utensils? It's Shammai. See, I will say, which it was something very fascinating, which tells you what? Which tells you that Halacha Lamaisa, in this context, who was the greater Rodev Shalom? Who was the one who was running after Achdos? It was Beishamai. But say, isn't that incredible? Beishamai was the one who told Hillel, Hillel, you're great. These families, you're not going to be happy with. These Kalim, you're not going to be happy with. Maybe that's the shot. When Mashiach comes, we're going to follow Beishamai. But say, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not just a din in Halacha, but it's a din in Hashkaf also. How do you bring Mashiach? It's funny. The way to bring Mashiach is to follow Beishamai. Not in halacha, but in hashkafa. But say, be a rodev shalom. Accept the fact that other people have different opinions. And be accepting of those opinions. Remember again, acceptance without agreement. Acceptance without agreement. I accept, but I don't agree. But Lamaisa, be respectful of other people's opinions. And allow them the right to have those opinions. Even if you vehemently, vehemently disagree with them. And if you give them the covet, give them the space and deferential acceptance without agreement. Ta'alokha follows Beishamai in this area, and that is the key to bringing Mashiach. So simple. It's so simple. Yivam Mustaf Yudal. I remember I told you it was a good daf. Yivam Mustaf Yudal, the key to bringing Mashiach. It's so simple, and yet thousands of years we can't seem to master it. But maybe, maybe we didn't have the suya clear enough. Right now we have the suya clearly enough. Now that we have it clear, Everyone agrees that Mamzer only comes from someone, from a union that is in Isra Erva and punishable by Karis. Man Modim. But say who's who's agreeing? So Ilim Abe Shamai Le Basila Pshita. So I will say if it's Beishamai to Hisal, it's obvious. Because remember again, Beishamai say according to Basilal, Basilal is Beishamai holds that when Basilal allows the Tsaras Erva to marry someone outside of the family, they're in violation of Allah. Rather I will say must be shall to Beishamai. So he gufa chabi krisosi. Well, say it's not true because remember, according to Beis Hillel, when Beis allows Atzaras Erva to do Yibum, Beis Hillel holds that what? That is an Isser Eshesach, an Isser Erva, an Isser Kares, Mamzerus, to which the Gemara says, the Olam Beis Shammai the Beis Hillel. Well, say ultimately, again, it's really talking about Beis Hillel, the Beis Hillel, Afugin Rabbi Akiva, the Amar Yish, Mamzer Mechai Ve'lavin, Kamash Molan, De'in Mamzer Mechai Ve'lavin. Well, say the Gemara is coming to, to go ahead and to go ahead and discount the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. What does Rabbi Akiva hold? Rabbi Akiva holds that halacha lamaisa, that you could have a situation of mamzerus from Allah. Rabbi Akiva Rabbi Akiva is a very, very stringent position. Rabbi Akiva says that any marital union punishable by Allah or any relationship punishable by Allah creates mamzerus. Kamash molan that we reject that. So Rabbi Akiva, I want to point out, 
See, it's interesting. According to Beishamai, right? Beishamai holds that Beisilo, you are causing people to violate prohibitions. Because you're taking a woman, remember again, that's Leah in our case, who's at Saras Erva, you're allowing her to marry someone outside of the family, that's a love. What's the ramification of engaging in a marital union punishable by a love? Nothing. Right? It's a love. It's a love. According to Rabbi Akiva, it creates mamzerus. But I will say, we don't pass like Rabbi Akiva. The problem, of course, is from Basil to Beishamai. Because according to Basil Beishamai, you're taking a Tzaras Erba, telling her to do Yibum. That's an Isser Kares. That's pretty serious. Tashma. So we'll say, the Gemara is going to now go through a list of areas where B'Sham B'Silel disagree. We're not going to get into these cases. We're just going to read them. That's our case. Achayos, case of sisters. Get Yashan. We'll say that's a case ultimately, again, of where a man gives a get and then is secluded with his wife. Safek ish as ish. Megarish as ishto v'lonimo. Pundak, a man who divorces his wife and then they sleep in the same place. B'kasef, b'shave kasef. B'kapruta, b'shave pruta. How much money you need to affect Kiddush. And I will say, like I said, we're not going to get into these cases. Lo nimnu b'shamay milisa b'nashem b'shilol. Follow b'shilol mi b'shamay. So I will say, ultimately, again, despite the fact that they have all these machloksim, and I will say, by the way, you'll think to yourself, is this the full extent of machlokas yashan b'shilol? No. I will say, what's the Kamnaamir on all of these lists in these, in these cases? They all affect what? Marriage. See, I will say, the stakes are much higher in cases of marriage. Because remember, if you get marriage wrong, then what happens? Well, if you get marriage wrong, many things happen. But Lamaisa, if you get marriage wrong from a halachic perspective, what's the problem? Mamzerus. See, I will say, despite the fact that Hashem and have a number of different machloksim in marriage cases, nevertheless, we'll say they intermarried. They intermarried. Rebose is just so beautiful to teach us, like we just said before, that ultimately Rebose, Chiba, love, Reos, camaraderie, they exhibited towards one another. Shinemar, the Kaima Shinemar, top hold the Pasik that says, Ha'emes Shalom Ahevu. We'll say ultimately again, MS truth and Shalom peace become beloved. We'll say absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I will say, let's be clear. Let's be clear. Now remember again, we've already pointed out, the problem is not really Beishamai marrying into Beisilo. The problem is Beisilo marrying into Beishamai. When we say that ultimately again, they, 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 they didn't refrain, they refrained from Vadai cases. That we saw already, right? So again, Beishamai would tell Beisilo, don't marry these women, right? This, you're not going to be happy with this situation. Or, but, but from a Suffolk case, if it was a Suffolk, apparently they would intermarry. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. But also, I'm sure I'll say, this, all this makes sense, assuming that what? That Beishamai actually practiced what they preached. But if Beishamai did not execute their halachic rulings, then why would Beishilo have to refrain at all? But Tizbaru, but say furthermore, even if you say that Beishamai actually executed on their positions, I understand why Beishilo is not marrying into Beishamai. Because there's a chiv karis in certain situations. But ultimately, why would Beishamai ever refrain from marrying into Beishilo? Ultimately, again, I will say, 
Why, again, according to Beis Shammai, according to Beis Shammai, Beis Hillel's position, at most is a lot. Rosa is finished with this. Rabbi is actually quite incredible. It turns out that the only thing everyone's really, really concerned about is the tsara herself. See, Rabbi said the discussion, the discussion at play over here is only actually regarding Leah. When we say nimnu lo nimnu, it's a reference to what would they marry Leah? Well, they married Leah, the Tsar, so look at Rashi, Ultimately, ultimately, both Beishama and Beishilal would not marry Leah in this situation. Everybody, right, everybody would agree that this woman herself is subject to too much halachic controversy, again, regarding each other. And therefore, Halacha should she become available for marriage, Beishamai would not marry her from Beishil's perspective. Beishil would not marry her from Beishamai's perspective. Rabbi say, we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up, I think we covered good ground today, Baruch Hashem. Rabbi say, we'll pick up with this last piece, as I didn't do it justice. We'll pick up. So what the real Mekudah Samachol is Beishamai is actually not generations later, but it's the Tzara herself. Emirat Hashem to be continued. Rabbi say, Shkoyach.